Purchase new wiper blades from O'Reilly Auto Parts today and we'll install them for free. See better and drive safer with O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And this is Inhuman. Today's case is one that was also recently solved, just like Andrea's case last week, and a conviction was made, but it is a little bit more recent. It wasn't cold for quite so long, and I am so freaking happy to be sharing a solved case and one that was recently solved. I had heard this story a long time ago, and it's been a very long process to get justice. Like before it was solved? Yeah, Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it's been a long, it's been a long time. But today I am covering the murder of Dylan Redwine. And just a little warning, he was a kid when he was murdered. He was, Mm. uh, I think, 13 years old. So just like a little warning. I don't think I know this one. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot. Yeah, it's an interesting one. So let's just get into it. Okay. Dylan Nicholas Redwine was born February 6th, 1999 to Mark and Elaine Redwine in Colorado. And this just like hits really close to home because my sister was also born in 1999. So it's just like, you know, around my sister's age. Well, one of my sisters. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Dylan had one older brother, Corey, and two half siblings from his father's first marriage. And he was known as being like quiet, but still social. He loved to play baseball and he loved hanging out with his friends. And like most teenagers, he was obsessed with his phone, always on it. Dylan's dad, Mark, was a trucker. So he would be like gone for long stretches of time for his job. Um, And this, of course, was tough on the family and on his wife. And it led to a lot of marital problems between Mark and Elaine, which like totally understandable. Yeah. Eventually, Mark and Elaine got divorced after they had been together for 18 years. Oh, man. So it was really sad. That is. But unfortunately, the divorce did not go well. And I mean, Uh I'm sure most divorces don't go well, but like I know some are kind of more like amiable and low-key and like you know, a nice split, but not this one. It was super messy and there was a really nasty custody battle over the kids. So of course this took a very, you know, took a toll on Dylan and Corey. And as part of the custody battle, the judge actually met with the two boys to talk to them about like which parent they wanted to live with. And this kind of surprised me because I didn't think judges would do that. But at the same time, like, yeah, they were in their teens, so I guess it makes sense. Like, and it depends on your state too. Like, um, some states mm-hmm. they don't even give a rat's ass about what the kid thinks, but then other states, right. like once you are a teenager, like thirteen, I think is the most thirteen to sixteen is the normal age okay. range. Um, they do consider that oh, interesting, especially if okay. both parents are fighting and they have a good case behind them. They definitely want to take right. that into consideration. That's good. That's good to like hear because it definitely, I feel like kids should have a say in that. Yeah, they should. I think so. Definitely. Okay, cool. So yeah, so the judge did that and Dylan told the judge that he did not want to live with his father. 
Dylan and his father Mark's relationship was always kind of off, but when Mark and Elaine were going through the divorce, Dylan grew even farther apart from his father. He was really upset with the way that Mark was treating his mom, so Dylan told the judge during the custody battle that he wanted to live with his mom, and Elaine was granted full custody of Dylan, and Mark was going to have visitation. Okay. And I couldn't find exactly what happened with Corey, but by the time... This was all kind of done. He was 18, so. They probably kept him together. Yeah, and he um, he chose as, you know, an adult once he's 18, he gets to choose, and he chose also to not live with his father. Interesting. Okay. So Dylan, who was 13, was living with his mom and her boyfriend in a town near Colorado Springs, and Mark was living in Bayfield, Colorado, which is basically, like, the other side and, like, south in Colorado near Durango, and he would mark was going to get visitation with dylan and again Corey wasn't required to visit because he was 18 so he didn't have to do anything anymore okay the visitation that mark had usually ended up in him and dylan arguing and from reports it seemed like mark was kind of like taking out his frustration about the entire divorce and his frustration with his ex-wife on dylan so it just didn't go well and Dylan didn't love it. But yeah. of course, like having arguments wouldn't change the court, what the court ruled and he had visitations. So Dylan had to keep going to visit. His yeah. Father. And you have to comply, unfortunately, in some cases, yeah. you know, I'm sure Elaine was worried about like losing custody if they didn't comply. Yeah. So on November 18th, 2012, Elaine drove Dylan to the airport so he could fly down to visit his father for the week of Thanksgiving and you know they both live in Colorado but it was like a good like six hour drive so that's why he was flying down and as I mentioned this was court ordered so he had to go but Dylan was dreading it he did not want to visit his father with their strained relationship and then he was mm -hmm. also upset because this time his brother Corey would not be going with him so Dylan was going to be all alone with his father and his father's like house in where he lived was a little more like isolated and stuff. So he just was like dreading it. Oh, that's so sad. Dylan texted his mom when the plane landed and he was clearly still upset that he was there. And he said like something along the lines of, you know, my plane landed and then sent like a sad face emoji. So he just was like, not, <laughs> not happy. Yeah. Um, and that was the last message that Dylan ever sent to his mom. Oh. So Mark p picked Dylan up from the airport around 6 p.m. that evening, and the two drove back towards Mark Mark's cabin. They stopped at Walmart and at a McDonald's to pick up dinner. And that night, Dylan asked his dad if he could stay at one of his friend's house nearby. He was like, you know, I want to go stay with a friend, and Mark didn't let him. So Mark was like, no, you have to stay home tonight. And so Dylan made plans to meet up with his friend at 630 the next morning, which like to me, that just shows like, I got to get out of here. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. you're a teenage kid on like Thanksgiving break and you want to meet up at 630. Like you, you must not be very happy with where you are. Yeah. So now I'm going to go through Mark's account of the next day, uh, Monday, November 19th. So this next part is all uh, his account of what happened. So Mark said that Dylan had slept in past the 6.30. He was supposed to meet his friend um, and slept in till like 7, 7.30. And Mark woke up around 7.30 and he headed out of the house to run some errands. And he returned to the house around 11.30 a.m. When he got home, he said that he found Dylan or he found the front door open 
the TV on to Nickelodeon and a bowl of cereal on the table, but no Dylan. Hmm. And he also, he had said before he left that he had uh, like tried to wake Dylan up. So Dylan had like known that he was leaving the house to go run errands. Okay. Did he wake him or did he just go back to sleep? I don't know. He, I think he kind of like went back to sleep. Like it wasn't like a, you know, you have to get up right now. It was kind of like, hey, I'm I'm leaving. Right. Um, just letting him know. So Mark said that Dylan's cell phone, backpack, and fishing pole were all missing. So he figured that he had left to go meet up with his friend like he planned the night before. And he didn't really think anything of it because, you know, Dylan was like hanging out with friends. And yeah. he went to take a nap. And he slept for about two hours, waking up around 1.30. And when he woke up, he found that Dylan still was not home. So he was like, okay, that's kind of weird. So he got a bit more worried and he started like texting and calling Dylan to figure out where he was and got no response. So he eventually went out to look for Dylan and he checked in with Dylan's friends and two of them told him that they had been trying to get in contact with Dylan all day, but hadn't heard anything. Oh, no. So at this point, Mark was like, okay, there's something wrong. Nobody's heard from him. So he went to the Bayfield Marshal's office to report him missing. And he also reached out to his ex-wife, Elaine, to see if she knew anything. And this is like one thing that I kept hearing that kind of I was like, "Mm." there were like people saying how um, ridiculous it was that Mark reached out to Elaine, like saying, like, do you know where Dylan is? Because she was like six hours away. Yeah, it kind of, I was like, okay, I get that you're like, he, he, I mean, she likely doesn't know where he is, but maybe he like called her, tried to go home. Yeah. So I don't really like, I get why he texted Elaine. He knew that Dylan hadn't been happy and, you know, maybe Dylan had found a way to like get back to his mom's house or something like that. Or maybe she had like a suggestion as to where he could be, like what his thought process was like. Exactly. That's his mom. Yeah. So, so I understand that from Mark's perspective. Yeah. So Elaine also went and reported Dylan, Dylan missing to the sheriff's office because, of course, she hadn't heard from him. And then her, her boyfriend, Mike, and her older son, Corey, drove down or started the drive down to Durango, the Durango area from Colorado Springs. And like I said, it was about a six-hour drive. So they headed down and they got there late Monday night. And when they got there, they spoke with the sheriff. They started searching, like, the area all around Mark's house, talking to friends, like, you know, just canvassing the whole area, trying to see if they could find him. And oddly enough, Mark was not out searching with them. Hmm. So, you know, just suspicious. Suspicious. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So one thing that really worried the family was Dylan's lack of phone contact with anyone since the night before. As I mentioned, he was a typical teenager. He loved being on his phone and he apparently was always texting people and talking to people on social media and stuff. Yeah. And the last message that was sent from Dylan was at 9.37 p.m. on Sunday night when he texted his friend, like, confirming that they would meet up the next morning. Oh. And so there hadn't been any messages after that. And Elaine also noted how Dylan usually went to bed, like, 11 o'clock or later. So it was kind of weird that there was no there were no messages sent after that that's what i was gonna say like what 13 year old is going to bed at 9 30 like he would still be sending his friends text and checking his social media till like midnight probably exactly yeah so his friend had texted him at 6 46 a.m on monday morning which was 15 minutes after they were supposed to meet up asking where he was and dylan never responded 
So like I said, all that until Elaine was contacted was from Mark's account. So, you know, as far as that's his story, but as far as physical proof, we know that Dylan was at least at Walmart on on Sunday night from security footage. So we there's security footage of him at the airport near Colorado Springs when his mom dropped him off. And then there's security footage of him at Walmart with his dad. So we know that he landed and he met up with his dad and went to Walmart. Okay. So investigators, you know, of course, started looking into Mark's story, just trying to like verify everything and figure out if they could find where Dylan might have gone missing. And they started by confirming the errands that he had run on Monday. And they were able to confirm that. They saw that he went to the post office and to his divorce lawyer. So they were able to confirm all of that. Mark's first suspicions were that Dylan had left the cabin on foot to either go to a local campground or a friend's house and had like something had happened. But the only issue with that was that his friend's house was like nine miles away. Oh, it's a long way to walk. Yeah. This is Colorado in November. <laughs> a nine right. mile walk yeah like rough terrain yeah. freezing cold <laughs> probably yeah so you know that that was a little suspicious to like elaine but you know police could, didn't really have anything to go off of so they started looking of, at this as a runaway especially because dylan had clearly not wanted to be there they were like you know maybe he was trying to get home and he got hurt or got lost or something happened like you know they're they're kind of going that path mm. So Elaine, however, despite what the police were saying, said that she knew her ex-husband and her son, and she claimed that it was not like Dylan to run away like that, and she also said that she did not believe a single word of Mark's story. Mm, interesting. Thankfully, though, police did take this seriously, which, like, doesn't always happen. Yeah. So they set up a search in the San Juan Mountains that were surrounding Mark's cabin, and just, like, for reference... This area was pretty heavily wooded. There were canyons, a ton of mountains that were like, you know, 6,000 feet elevation. You know, they're in Colorado, so they're up high. There's dense forest. Right. So they started to set up a search. It was going to be difficult because of this terrain, but they set it up. They used ATVs. They used drones and canine units to search as much of the area as they could. And they really got going, but unfortunately, they did not find anything in that initial search. Mm. As the holiday week went on, there were still no signs of Dylan. They kept looking, but at this point, Elaine was pretty suspicious that Mark wasn't telling the full story. And if you remember earlier, Mark had said that when he returned home from running errands, Dylan wasn't in the house and neither was his phone, backpack, or fishing pole. Right. He also said that the door had been left open and the TV was left on to Nickelodeon, but Dylan hadn't watched Nickelodeon in months, according to Elaine. Because he had recently become like hooked on MTV. So Elaine was kind of like, all right, I like that's one thing that's weird. And she was even saying, like, Mark, you don't even know your son well enough to like make up a story about him. Yeah. Which, like, I don't know. You you know what your kid's watching on TV, I feel like. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And she also thought that it was weird that uh Dylan's fishing pole was missing because she said that Dylan had been fishing before, but he didn't really know a lot about it, so she didn't think that he would go by himself. But again, he could have been meeting up with a friend, but none of he his wasn't. friends. Yeah. Yeah. At this point, Elaine couldn't really do much with her suspicions, though. 
The family did all that they could to spread awareness, including setting up like a Facebook page. They set up a $55,000 reward for any information and they really utilized social media and it did help get the message out there and bring a lot of attention to this case, thankfully. The family and everyone in the community continued to hold out hope that Dylan would be found alive. The community really came together and they were they were holding out hope. The weekend after Thanksgiving, a canine unit actually picked up Dylan's scent at the Vallecito Lake. So they, you you know, sent divers and they also sent boats with like object detecting sonar to try to canvas the whole lake. Right. But unfortunately, they still didn't find anything. Shortly after this, Brandon Redwine, who was Dylan's half-brother and Mark's biological son, drove to Colorado with his family from Arizona to help with the search. And Brandon also had a pretty strained relationship with Mark, so I feel like he kind of felt for Dylan and, like, felt that he needed to help. And so, you know, everybody was there searching. The community was searching. His name and photo were everywhere. They were doing all that they could. During all of this, Mark stuck with the same story, and he did appear distraught on news segments and to the public. He claimed that he cooperated fully with the police, and they finally did search his cabin. Um, Inside, they found a few drops of Dylan's blood, but Mark's girlfriend explained that away as coming from a cut that Dylan had gotten while visiting the year before. So, and again, there just wasn't much they could do about it because, like, Dylan had been there before, so it's not like it would be the weirdest thing. And it was just a couple of drops. It wasn't like a gallon of his blood or I don't even know. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Investigators finally took Mark in for an interview, and at the time they told him he wasn't a suspect, but they just wanted to talk to him. He was also polygraphed, and so was Elaine. And Elaine did pass her polygraph test easily, but Mark failed his. Oh, miserably. Shocker. Yeah. And we don't know, like, what was asked or, like, what actually, you know, like, he failed he on. Yeah. Yeah. And as we know, polygraph tests can't always be taken seriously. But right. still, it's a little suspicious that he failed so miserably. They're pretty telling, though, because I feel like in most cases they're like, okay, like, we don't really take it into, like, huge consideration, but when the person is guilty, they almost always fail, and when the person is innocent, they almost always pass, so it's like, yeah, Yeah, like, how (laughs) much can it really not be true? But yeah. yeah. So the case, unfortunately, went cold for a few months, but in February 2013, a new search was happening, and I'm not sure, like, what prompted this new search to begin, but it did and police brought in cadaver dogs and searched around like all the areas around mark's cabin but again they found nothing Mm. just nothing was coming up and then the family went on the dr phil show and oh my gosh wow okay it is wild you can watch it on youtube it's almost like it's well it's like over two hours long but there's some overlap of it okay this might be an unpopular opinion i'm not sure but I am not a fan of Dr. Phil and like the Dr. Phil show. I just like, I've never really watched his show, but the ones that I do, he just frustrates me. I feel like when he first came out, like he really did like try to help people and like the show was taken seriously. But like after several years, it like became almost like a joke. Yeah. Like a typical like talk show. Yeah. Like, 
It wasn't about Drama. helping anymore. Yeah. He has a yeah. new show too where he like goes into people's homes. I watched it the other night. Oh, I, I saw was like, that. It was it was entertaining, but it was again, it was just like are you doing this because you yeah. care? Are you doing this for the money? <laughs> right. Probably the latter. But yeah, so I did actually watch the almost I I watched almost all of it. I didn't watch the exact the whole thing. But I did watch Hold on, because I'm gonna laugh because I just thought of the TikTok where he, the Dr. Phil, have you heard it? No. Or he's one? like it's like his voice it's like a voice bite or whatever, and it's like, shut the fuck up, bitch, or something like that. You've never heard that? <laughs> no, I don't think I've seen that one. Oh my god. Okay, I'm gonna send it to you later, but it's like I think okay. he was repeating something that like a kid had oh, said to okay. their mother and they took it and made it into a TikTok and That's it's funny. so funny. So yeah, I did I did watch this episode. I didn't watch the whole thing. I couldn't. I had to stop. But I did watch it and oh my god. And I'll link it in the show notes if you do want to go watch it, but I'm just going to recap it for you here so you don't have to go through that. Was the whole family there including the dad or was it just the mom, the boyfriend and the sibling? The dad was there. Okay. Yes. It was mostly the mom and the dad. Okay. So on the show, both Mark and Elaine continually accused each other of having something to do with Dylan's disappearance. You know, Elaine was explaining all the inconsistencies in Mark's story and all of that. And then Mark kept like trying to put it back on Elaine, of course. Elaine kept asking Mark what he did to Dylan, saying that she knew that he knew something. But Mark continued to stick with the same story that he was out running errands and came back. About the polygraph test that police had given them, Mark claimed that police told him, quote, there's been some conflict as to the results of my polygraph test, Mark's polygraph Mm -hmm. test. Then he said that police told him that he failed it, but then later said it was inconclusive. So he's like, you know, saying all this shit Mm -hmm. and so dr phil being so generous offered for mark to do a polygraph test (laughs) on the show and of course they do it like off screen because you can't record them i guess like for it to be like valid um but he was like you know i have somebody who's done hundreds of these and like you you know we'll do it for you he was like it'll help clear your name because clearly like people think you're guilty because you failed it so it'll help clear your name Mark agreed to take the polygraph test. He was like, okay, I'll do it. But right before he was going to actually take the test, he backed out and refused to take it. And Dr. Phil was pissed. And that part was really funny because he was like, if you're really innocent, why would you not take it? He was like yelling at him. It was so funny. And it's true. Like, if you're innocent, why would you not take it? But as I was thinking about this, I was like, to play devil's advocate, because I have to. You're on live TV, you're probably nervous, and nerves can, like, really strongly affect polygraph yeah. tests, which is why, like, you know, you they can't be, like, in court and stuff. Yeah. So I get why he was nervous, but come on, like, don't agree to it in the first place. And or, then back out. Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So that was, like, most of the show was them yelling at each other. And then Corey, Dylan's older brother, came on. He talked about how horrible of a father Mark was, and he actually didn't call him dad anymore he called him mark he said that he was dead to him that's telling yeah he also talked about how mark was never involved in any of the fundraising or like search efforts to help find dylan you know i think he was involved in some of it publicly but like 
from Corey's perspective, he was not involved like you would be if your son was missing. Like doing just enough to like make people not be suspicious. Exactly. Yeah. And then on the show, Mark just continued to defend himself. And Corey literally said straight out that he thought Mark killed his brother. Like he was like, you killed him. Like, so he straight up was like, and again, remember, there's never been anything found. So there's no No evidence evidence. of. He's not even really a suspect. He's just. Correct. The dad. He's not even a person of interest. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's about all that came from the show. Um, You know, nothing like came of it in terms of the case, but it did help get more national attention. Unfortunately, by this time, it was the dead of winter in Colorado, so police couldn't really, like, search a lot of the areas that they'd want to. I mean, even the initial searches, they couldn't search everywhere because of the terrain and then the weather. Yeah. So they did start planning a massive search that they would do once the snow and ice had melted in June. So they were planning a big search for June 2013. They were, like, ready that once all the once everything was melted, they were going to go all out. Okay. So this was a five-day search, and it was going to cover 12 miles of an unpaved part of Middle Mountain Road, which was a road that was parallel to Mark Street. Okay. There were 45 officers that began this search, and on June 25th, 2013, they found something. Uh Uh-oh. That night, the La Plata County Sheriff's Office announced that they had evidence related to Dylan Redwine's case. They didn't say what. They just said evidence. Mm -hmm. And then the next day, they did continue the search as was planned. Like, they planned a five-day search, so they clearly didn't find everything they wanted to find. But two days later, on June 27th, 2013, police confirmed to Dylan's family that they had found parts of his remains oh my god i knew you were gonna say that yeah this was about eight miles away from mark's house and it was in a remote difficult to access area they had found the partial remains of dylan redwine eight miles from his house Mm -hmm. Hmm. it should be noted that they never found any of dylan's other belongings so they found these remains, but they didn't find his the phone, his backpack, the yeah. fishing pole. Exactly. The medical examiner said that from what they found, they could not determine Dylan's cause of death. Mm. And this uh, did not include his skull. So they, they didn't found his skull. I know for sure that's like one of the things they didn't find. But from what they had, they could determine it was Dylan, but they could not determine his cause of death. No. So, of course, Dylan's family and the entire community was just devastated. At this point, Elaine and Corey still fully believed that Mark was somehow involved in Dylan's death. But Mark told the media that he was blindsided by the discovery of his son's body, saying, quote, I cannot wrap my head around it. You can never be prepared for something like this. I am reaching out to his mom so he can have a proper burial making sure he gets a proper burial and the respect he deserves is what I have to focus on. That was like his, you know, what he said. And according to the Denver Post, Mark Redwine said that after the announcement of the remains, his ex-wife was driving on a street in Durango when she spotted him, rolled down her window and shouted murder. And that's, again, just what Mark claims. But it's clear that Elaine thought that Mark had killed Dylan. I mean, she had the gut feeling from the gate and i think that yeah that's not something you you lightly accuse someone of especially someone's father you know 
Yeah, exactly. Unless you really think. Yeah. There was not a lot that police could do at this point. There was no cause of death that they could determine, and there was no evidence of foul play. There was no other evidence that they found. Like, there was nothing they could do. But Elaine was determined to get justice for her son. Good for her. She finally, like, came forward and straight up told the media, Mark, I think that Mark was responsible for Dylan's death. And then she also talked about how she had seen Mark be violent with the kids while they were married. So she was making it clear that it was not out of the realm of possibilities that Mark could have hurt Dylan. Wow. In 2014, Elaine was still pushing that Mark had something to do with Dylan's death, and the police were trying to continue to investigate. Elaine at one point was actually granted a temporary restraining order against Mark, and then in August 2014, police returned to Mark's home to do another search, and they officially identified him as a person of interest at this point. So again, a person of interest is not a suspect. It's not somebody you think did it. It's somebody you think knows something about it. Right. They also, at this point, fully cleared Elaine, her now husband, Mike, and Corey of any involvement. So they, you know, said they had nothing to do with it, but there just wasn't much more they could go off of at this point. On November 1st, 2015, almost two years after Dylan disappeared, a hiker discovered Dylan's skull off a path on Middle Mountain Road. So this was about a mile and a half away from where the other remains were found over a year earlier. The medical examiner did an autopsy on Dylan's skull and finally found something that they could use to prove Dylan's death was not an accident. He found a fracture above Dylan's left eye and then also found evidence of blunt force trauma to the head. So this proved that Dylan's death was not caused by an animal and his cause of death was officially changed to homicide. This finally started to break apart Mark's story. He had continued to claim that Dylan ran away and had fallen or been hurt by an animal, but this, you know, turned it around. Do you know if they were able to determine that, I'm assuming he was partially dismembered, like, were they able to determine, like, what was used or? I don't, if they were, they didn't announce it. I don't think so. Okay. Because that would rule out an animal or, you know, whatever. Yeah, I don't know if they could tell, like, with the bones. I mean, maybe the animal would chew on the bones, but without, like, you know, having flesh and stuff, I feel like it'd be difficult to... Yeah. There would be teeth marks, I but, would yeah. think, on the on the animals. Right, you're probably right. I mean, yeah. on the bones. So, yeah I, yeah, I don't know if they, like, ever tested that, but they never talked about okay. that. Okay. So now, at this point, Mark said, oh, well, maybe he wasn't, you know gone walking off and got hurt by an animal maybe he was kidnapped and murdered and that someone had planted the remains near mark's house to frame him yeah because they would just know that he lived there i mean if it was a random act right an fbi profiler who had been brought onto the case who's named pete Kilsmet, he said that this new story from mark quote has a mathematical likelihood of close to zero yeah. So based on his profile analysis, Kilsmet came to the conclusion that Mark had killed Dylan. So this was just like this one FBI profiler, yeah. but they're pretty damn good. So That's their job. Yeah, they do this for a living. <laughs> yeah. So jumping forward to about a year and a half later in July 2017, Mark Redwine was finally arrested for the murder of his son Dylan. 
He was arrested in Bellingham, Washington, where he was currently on a truck route. He was still a truck driver. Mm-hmm. The warrant had been put out in Colorado for Mark on second degree murder. And so he was arrested in Washington and extradited to Colorado. And on August 15th, 2017, he was officially charged with second-degree murder and child abuse resulting in death. Mark pled not guilty on all counts. Wow. He's got to hold up that, I didn't do it. It wasn't me. Which, I mean, they don't have much on him, if anything, really. I mean, they don't have anything on him. They, They don't. Besides, you know, word of mouth and tellings of stories and things. Yeah. So it took a very, very, very long time for this case to actually go to court. It was rescheduled a whopping 10 times. Wow. One of those times being because Mark's attorney was arrested for domestic violence. Like, oh my gosh. So it was finally rescheduled for September of 2020. But because of the COVID-19 pandemic, the trial was once again pushed back to 2021. Okay. When the case finally went to trial in 2021, we learned some more of the evidence that they had that proved that Mark had killed Dylan. So the prosecutor said that Mark had killed Dylan in his living room with a knife, knife or other object, and then they said that they decapi- that Mark decapitated him before distributing his remains throughout the area surrounding his house. Oh my god. Now, they had found trace amounts of blood all around the living room of Mark's cabin. So not just a couple drops. They found it under the rug. They found it on the couch. They found it on a love seat. And the blood on the love seat was confirmed to be Dylan's. So at least some of that blood was confirmed to be Dylan's and it wasn't just like a drop from a cut. Okay. That makes more sense. They were just keeping that close to the chest, I guess. Yeah. Cadaver dogs also picked up the scent of human remains in Mark's truck, his living room, and on his clothes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. There's your evidence. (laughs) Yeah. And then it gets even better. They were able to prove a motive. And this is where it gets a little more disturbing. So just a warning. It's going to get a little gross. Okay. Um, Not that it wasn't already, but you know. Corey, during his testimony, said that in 2011, the boys had been on a camping trip with Mark. And during that trip, They were, like, playing around on Mark's computer, playing games, and on the laptop, they discovered some very disturbing photos. These included one of Mark in red lipstick and a red bra, and another one of him eating human feces out of a baby diaper. Uh, I mean, the first part, like, do you? Like, if you're, if that's your thing, like, do you, but... Poo-poos? No, no. Any kind of bodily function, like, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, he doesn't have a baby. So, like, you couldn't have said, like, I'm just, yeah. It's a fetish thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's disgusting. So someone took these pictures, or I guess he could have set up a camera. Or he might have taken them, yeah. So the boys were obviously disgusted (laughs) by this, and they, like, took pictures of the photos on the laptop just to, like, you know, I mean, why wouldn't you mm-hmm. like to be like, oh my God, look what I just found. Yeah. But they didn't say anything to Mark or anything. And Corey later confronted his father about the photos in early 2012. And when he did, Mark got extremely angry and upset and reacted violently, according to Corey. So the prosecution took this and laid out a motive. They said that Dylan 
likely finally confronted Mark about these photos. And I'm, I could even see it being like him being annoyed that he was there and frustrated. And then Mark saying something and him being like, well, at least I don't like blah, blah, blah. And talking about the photos or being like, well, I saw those photos, like something like that. I don't know. That's just my opinion. But they said that uh, their suspicions were that Dylan confronted him and on the night of November 18th, 2012, and that made Mark go into a fit of rage, as Corey had seen him do before. They say that this then resulted in Dylan's death, and that Mark had been lying ever since. So they wow. finally had more than just, like, evidence. There was, like, this could be a motive. That's, first of all, like, if you're gonna let your kids play on your computer, don't have things like that if you don't want them to find them. And yeah. don't get mad when they call you out for it, because, like, You shouldn't be eating poop. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Mark, of course, denied all of this to his lawyers. He did not take the stand. um, But he even went as far to say that the person in the photos was not him. He claimed that Elaine had photoshopped him into the photos. Okay. But I don't think anybody believed this. Did they still have the photos or was there no comment about? I don't know if they had the actual photos. I have seen the photos of the photos. Like that the boys okay. took. That's what I was so, like, okay. Those weren't the best quality. So like you maybe could say that you some, couldn't tell yeah. if it was photoshopped. But I I don't think anybody believed it was photoshopped. Gonna look it up. Okay. Yeah. I I'll maybe post. No, I probably won't post them. Yeah. Um, maybe. I don't think anybody wants to see no. that. Mm-mm. Oh, I put Mark red, and it said poop mm-hmm. pics. <laughs> That's the first thing that popped up. Warning. Well, because it came out like just a couple months ago. Yeah, it says warning, graphic content. Okay. Yeah. It's so nasty. It's up close. It's all close. Oh, oh my God. Okay. <laughs> you have a child. Could you imagine taking his diaper and putting it up? No, I put it. Your face as, and taking a photo. Well, he doesn't wear diapers anymore. But when he did, I was like, get those as far away because i have like i'm very i'm a very gaggy person like when it comes to smells right. it just instantly and i would gag yeah. all the time changing his diaper so no yeah. i cannot imagine it, that's why i said <laughs> nothing with any kind of bodily functions like that no yeah Mm-mm. yeah so yeah the prosecution <laughs> also had mark's first wife betsy come up and testify and she just had some interesting things to say but again it was all like circumstantial and just yeah. like stories but one of the things she talked about was that they had a very violent and terrible marriage and said that when they got divorced mark had threatened to kill the two kids what so his older boys yeah his older boys okay okay she also told about a time that she and mark had been camping in the mountains and he made a very cryptic comment saying that if he had to dispose of a body he would do it in the mountains Wow. According to Betsy, Mark said, quote, nobody would ever find a body in the mountains. Well, they did. So you're not as smart as you fucking think you are, you horrible person, to kill your own child and dispose of their body. Like I said, in my case, that like to do that to your own child, your own flesh and blood Mm -hmm. is the definition of inhuman. It is. It really is. So uh, Brandon, who was Betsy and Mark's son, the one who had come to help search from Arizona, also took the stand and talked about how he had confronted Mark about not being involved in the search for Dylan. And he said that Mark had no desire to help with the search and never really appeared upset, at least to like the family, you know, on to the media he did, but never like 
really appeared upset, especially early on when they thought that Dylan was like just a lot was still alive and was just missing. He said Mark like wasn't trying to search because that's when it was like really necessary, you know, so. But of course, the defense claimed that most of the evidence was circumstantial, arguing that the blood found was extremely minimal minimal, and that the cadaver dog evidence was, quote, junk science. So, of course, you know, they had to do something. Mm-hmm. They also claimed that the marks found on Dylan's skull could have been from a mountain lion or bear. They tried to get a lot of the testimony thrown out, which to me just says that they don't really have anything else to defend him. So they're trying to, yep. like, devalue the prosecution's arguments. Mm-hmm. And defense, the defense held to the story that Dylan had run away and been attacked by some sort of wild animal. On July 16th, 2021, so about two months ago, the jury deliberated for six and a half hours and they reached a unanimous verdict, which I will play here from the Zoom recording of the trial. Jury verdict count number one, murder in the second degree. We, the jury, find the defendant, Mark Redwine. Guilty of count number one. Be quiet, please. Murder in the second degree, signed by Mr. Parker. Jury verdict, count number two, child abuse. We, the jury, find the defendant, Mark Redwine, guilty of count two, child abuse, uh, signed by Colin Parker. Further, we, the jury, find that with respect to the verdict question as to this count, as follows. Did the child abuse result in death? The answer is yes. So they found Mark Redwine guilty on all counts. Yay. He was guilty. Your his blood was in. Ma- I can't even mm-hmm. talk. Large, of, significant amount of blood was in his house. Mm-hmm. Like that alone. Yeah. Period. Yeah. His story doesn't add up. His there's a motive. There's mm-hmm. yeah. No. Throw the book at him. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> Sorry. Andrew's trying to throw a book. I like 12 of them. (laughs) So there are still people who believe Mark is innocent, but I think the majority of people do believe he's guilty. He still maintains his innocence and he has never admitted to anything or told the actual, you know, what actually happened that night. He's stuck to the same story. So his sentencing will happen on October 8th, 2021. And he is currently facing 48 years in prison, which I was like, 48? That's it? But I think that's life for him. But yeah. Well, maybe. How old is he now? He's probably 50. Probably, yeah. I don't know. His son was 13 when he went missing, and that was... In 2012? Six years. Yeah. How many years is that? Nine. Nine years before this. So... 48's not enough. Yeah. So I will definitely update on our Instagram and Twitter, like, once he's sentenced, um, because I'm I'm very curious. You know, some people are worried that he's not going to get the full 48 years, because that's, like, the maximum Mm -hmm. he's facing, um, so it's going to be interesting to see. He was it was second degree murder, so it's less than first degree, but still, you killed somebody. So, like, come on. I don't understand. I mean, I understand like the meanings behind those, but I don't understand how they can conclude that that. I mean, I guess it wasn't premeditated. premeditated. Maybe, but yeah, even still, like they couldn't prove any type of premeditation. So I guess that's why they had to stick with second yeah. degree. But yeah, that is the case of Dylan Redwine. So freaking sad. Poor baby. But thank God Mark is finally in jail and was found guilty. Yes. Finally, the family can get some justice. And all those 48 years better stick. Yes, I know. I'm like very nervous. I will definitely be watching it 
unfold. Yeah. Um, and I will keep you guys updated for sure because, yeah. my God. He needs to pay for what he did. Yes. 100%. You're, a, you're a grown man. Like, you're an adult. Like, if you yeah. can't handle a child, if that's the motive coming at you with incriminating stuff, like, right. you're a pathetic. Yeah. Like, you're a coward. Ball sack. Yeah. Ball sack. So yeah, that is the case. Updates will be on Instagram and Twitter that are both inhuman underscore podcast. So you can follow us over there so you don't miss them. And that's all I got, you guys. I hope you guys enjoyed, I guess. It's kind of weird to say that, but I hope you found it informational (laughs) and that you are just as happy as we are that he has been arrested and found guilty. So yeah, thank you guys for listening. We will see you on Thursday. And until then, keep it human. Bye.